Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Modern Christian Dads podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson alongside Kelly Stevens. Good afternoon, everybody. And we welcome you in once again. Our goal is to talk a little bit news, a little sports, a little God, entertain you, encourage you, and it is Super Bowl week. Here we go, Kelly. Yes, yes, yes. I'm ready. Ready for those snacks, buffalo wings, pizza... All that good stuff. Is there anything better? I was thinking about this before. I actually didn't do this in terms of our show prep. I was wondering how much money the Super Bowl generates in terms of Easter, Christmas. Is it bigger than all of those? It'd be interesting. I'd that would be interesting. What, what do you think? What, what uh, would be your it's guess? It's got to be close. I did read that one last year, 111.3 million people watched the Super Bowl. Oh, what, that 11, was down a little bit from the record being 114 million. It. it it has to be very productive because of the 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 commercials. I, I right. for one am like the big commercial guy. I love to watch the commercials, and they put a lot of money into that. So. And now thirty second commercials. I did read run around five million dollars, something five like that. Million. It's just crazy. And I was considering pitching, you know, a, a commercial for our church, but I didn't want to bankrupt our church <laughs> um, by one Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> anyway, but we're going to talk some new sports and God today. We will wrap up talking a little Super Bowl talk for you guys, figure out if you're going to go for the Rams or the Patriots. But let's dive into some news. I found this very interesting. Kelly, Trump touts proposed Bible literacy classes in state schools. We live in a country that is statistically becoming less and less Christian. A lot of, of us that are Christians talk about how the Bible was taken out of the schools, and now potentially it might get put back in. Uh, you know what? I'm all for it. Uh, you know, schools originally started with Bibles. That was that was what they were studying, and, and, and God's been taken out. Right. You're a little bit older than I am. Did you grow up with prayer or Bible in the school? Uh, we had prayer in school, Didn't did not have Bible in school, but we did have prayer. Okay, I don't remember either one. I remember Pledge of Allegiance, but I don't think we had prayer. Anyway, let me read this. It says, President Trump on Monday embraced a proposal from lawmakers in six states that would allow public schools to offer Bible literacy classes shortly after the subject was discussed on Fox and Friends. Numerous states introducing Bible literacy classes, giving students the option of studying the Bible. And Donald J. Trump tweeted out, numerous states introducing Bible literacy classes, giving students the option of studying the Bible, starting to make a turn back. Great. And so thank you, President Trump. The treat came, tweet, excuse me, came roughly a half hour after North Dakota State Rep. Aaron McWilliams appeared on Fox and Friends. McWilliams is co-sponsoring a measure in North Dakota to support Bible literacy classes. Similar measures have been introduced in Missouri, Indiana, West Virginia, Virginia, and Florida. So we might get the Bible back right. into the life of our schools. That's pretty cool. Come on, Missouri. We need to do this. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Will there be a change? Will there be a shift uh, in our country? You know what? That's what we have to have to have a shift. Yeah. And it's interesting for someone who does missions trips. We just, my wife and I, the last missions trip I did was to the country of Kenya. And in those public schools, we can go in, talk about Jesus, the gospel, hand out Bibles, pray for them, do all those kind of things. Uh, and so it's very interesting, the dynamics. Yeah, and the, the, the most free country in the world, and we're, we're keeping the Bible out. But yet you can go to Africa and take the Bible into the schools and talk about it all day long. 
Yes. So for those of us that are followers of Christ, let's be praying. Let's pray that the floodgates will open and the Bible will get back into the hearts and lives of our students, whether they want to call it a historical book or, you know, we're just studying history. Let's just get them in the word back again. Amen. And see what that does. Here's a very interesting kind of controversial story. I saw this on multiple platforms of news. A three-year-old who was missing for days says a bear watched over him in the North Carolina woods. So a three-year-old boy who was found alive in the woods of eastern North Carolina after he went missing for two days says he spent time with a bear. Uh, Casey disappeared last Tuesday. He was last seen playing with two other children in his grandmother's yard in Emol, North Carolina. I've never been there before. On Thursday, Casey was found calling for his mother about a quarter mile, about 50 to 40 to 50 yards deep into the woods. He was soaking wet, cold, and tangled in thorn bushes. Hughes and rescuers waded through the waist-deep water to get to the toddler. How did he get there, and how did he stay alive? Well, he says he hung out with a bear for a couple days. <laughs> you know, when I go to the woods, that's what I always like to do is just hang out with the bears. So he said... You know, he had a Winnie the Pooh moment, if you will. His aunt called her nephew's safety a miracle and said God sent a friend to keep him safe. Now, the controversy is, is that the uh, police do not validate this as factual. And uh, we don't know if it's true or not. True. And could it have been a Bigfoot? Right. Could it have been a Bigfoot? What's your true take here, <laughs> Kelly? Do you think it's real or not real? Why couldn't it? Why couldn't a bear take care of him for a couple of days? Why is that so weird to think? Uh, you, you know, uh, there's, you know, you talk about protection of the mama bear, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, when we're, when we're talking about uh, uh, church safety and active shooter type things. And, and we go to talking about you protect the, the people as if you're a mama grizzly bear. So okay. uh, maybe maybe a bear <laughs> uh, was protecting the baby, but uh, I have a really hard time believing that. Okay. Kelly goes with no. I'm going to go with yes, just to be different. Oh, way to go. Aside from a few scratches, Casey was found in good health and was reunited with his family. His family said that he was in good spirits, eating Cheetos and watching Paw Patrol. <laughs> You're going to go with the Bigfoot, aren't you? There you, you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we did uh, not too long ago, we talked about, you know, we talked about belly size, bad foods, you know, that the bigger your belly gets, the smaller your brain gets. You remember that, Kelly? I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but here I came across, these are the unhealthiest items at every major fast food chain in America. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I will give you just a few to make you feel really convicted about what you eat when you go eat fast food. But anyway, Americans spend millions of dollars a year eating and drinking at fast food establishments. The biggest chain in terms of sales is McDonald's, where people spent more than $36 billion in 2016, followed by Starbucks with nearly $15 billion and Subway with $11 billion. That's a lot of money. And that is a billion with a B. Your favorite uh, fast food restaurant? Do you have one? Oh, you know... Not I, not really. I, I eat at a lot of fast food restaurants, <laughs> uh, but well, let me let me back up. I'm, I'm going to have to go with uh, Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A is good. I'm trying to think of my favorite favorite one go to. I don't know. It, it, especially now that we live in Carthage, we don't have as many options. Right. Then when I get over to Joplin, I'm like, oh man, all these great food places. I guess like a burrito, burger, something like that. Anyway, these numbers are not surprising considering that almost 40% of people in the United States eat at a fast food restaurant at least once a day. And adults between 20 and 39 years old are most likely to choose junk food over other options. Perhaps it's no surprise also that the biggest health issues in the country include obesity, heart disease, cancer, and diabetes, 
all of which are associated with foods that are high in calories, fat, salt, and sugar. So why is fast food so popular? It's cheap, readily available, everywhere, filling, and you don't have to wait long for it. All right, so let's dive into the nitty gritty here. McDonald's, they're the biggest money maker. What's the worst thing that you could eat at McDonald's, all right? Especially after you get done with your mall walking. Don't eat this at McDonald's, all right? <laughs> I have a list that I'm creating in my life. It's like top things top things to do when I get older. One, and I'm retired, you know, is one is to be a mall walker. One is to go to McDonald's every day and eat breakfast. Anyway, McDonald's big breakfast with hotcakes. Serving size, one breakfast, calories, 1,350, total amount of sugar, 48 grams, total amount of fat, 65 grams, total amount of sodium, 2,100 milligrams. About half of the calories in this breakfast platter come from fat. And these are 25 grams of saturated fat, which is 126% of the recommended daily use based on a 2,000 calorie diet. The platter also contains 510 milligrams of cholesterol, which is 169% of the recommended daily value. The Grand Big Mac is not much better. The sandwich has 860 calories. So anyway, it's just, uh, that's bad. You know, while you were talking, <laughs> I, I just had to let my belt out one more notch. <laughs> <laughs> right. The big breakfast at McDonald's. I usually go with the uh, the sausage egg Mc, McMuffin. So I didn't, it's, that doesn't say how much that is here. So anyways, at least it's not the worst. Second, going to Wendy's, and I've actually seen this before, is Dave's triple burger. All right. So one <laughs> burger calories just the burger all right 1090 calories total sum of sugar 9 grams total amount of fat 72 grams total amount of sodium 1650 milligrams this burger weighs three pounds before it is cooked it contains eggs soy wheat and milk more than half of the calories 648 come from fat and it contains four grams of trans fat the 72 grams of total fat you get from eating this burger are the entire recommended daily intake Mm, that sounds good. I'll have that. <laughs> so I guess just eat that and then don't eat eat for the rest of the day. Well, yeah, Is that what they're saying? Do, what are they telling uh, us? One here? meal a day. All right. And Chick-fil-A, you brought this up. We always think uh, people, Chick-fil-A is healthy, right? And uh, Chick-fil-A, sausage platter, serving size, one platter, calories, 810. The sausage platter, I have not had that. Have you had the sausage I platter? I have not had that. All right. Well, calories, 810, total amount of sugar, six grams, total amount of fat, 54 grams, total amount of sodium, 1,850 milligrams. We don't know what these numbers are. It just sounds fine to us, doesn't it? Just one platter provides about half the calories you need a day, especially if you're a physically active person and more than what the American Heart Association recommends for you daily sodium intake. I went through that list and it is pretty crazy the amount of uh, food and calories you can get there. I, you know, I'm still going to eat fast food. Though. I, I'm still going to eat fast food. But <laughs> have you had the Chick-fil-A little biscuit and chicken nugget like thing in there? I have had that. I'm a spicy chicken sandwich oh, guy. When oh, I go there. okay. All I right. always get the spicy Buffalo chicken Wildwood. deluxe when I go there. <laughs> yes. All right, moving on. We're, we don't want to convict ourselves too much here, especially on Super Bowl Sunday when we're about ready to get pig, pig out in just a few days. Are you uh, speaking of Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, are Are you going to paint your your chest or anything like that with team colors? I don't or? think I will this time, but potentially in the future. I'm not always ashamed of making a fool of myself, but I don't have any plans right now. Okay. All right. I may challenge you later. All right. Cord cutting. This is a popular thing in our culture today. We see that the cable companies dish and all these are starting to lose people by the thousands and by the droves because of different things like Netflix and Amazon. What are you? Are you cable guy or what do you got? Uh, 
<laughs> I'm actually a, a dish guy. I, You're a dish guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have Netflix and uh, watch lots of YouTube. That's pretty much. You know, I, Belinda and I have been thinking about uh, uh, switching because uh, our bill is getting way too high. But uh, I, I'm not, uh, I haven't decided what to do, but it looks like Netflix has got lots of movies. I have cut the cord a long, long time ago. The only thing I really miss every once in a while is some sports, ESPN, that kind of thing. But I can just run to the gym and watch that if I want to. All right, so here we go. Anyway, Amazon, Netflix, who's better? Well, this article says when you want to watch a movie, which streaming service truly delivers, if you want quality, opt for Netflix. If you prefer quantity, pursue pursue Amazon Prime Video. That's the conclusion from Streaming Observer. The tech news website looked at all of the movies on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and HBO. Now, as of January 20th, and analyzed the film ratings on movie and TV reviews uh, site Rotten Tomatoes, also factored in data from the streaming providers, as well as third-party search sites Regal Wood and Just Watch. The site found Amazon had the most movies, four times that of Netflix, and many more times the amount on Hulu and HBO. But Netflix had more movies, 596, more than 15% of its library with a certified fresh rating from the Rotten Tomatoes, a designation given to the best-reviewed films. That is awesome. Netflix, if you want to cut the cord. But here's what I will say that I think is very, very interesting. As we get to the smart TVs, we get to apps, is that you can almost spend just as much money as you're spending on cable. For an example, let's say you get Netflix, and then someone like me who's a UFC guy. Well, if you get the UFC app, well, then you got to pay $10 a month to get the UFC category. Let's say you get, you know, I, I, I like pro wrestling, but I still follow it a little bit here and there. It, you could get WWE Network. Well, that's $10 a month. And you could get NBA. Then they, they want $10 a month. So really, if you get three, four, or five of your favorite kind of app-based uh, streaming download apps along with Netflix, you're kind of already at $60, $70, potentially. Yeah, you're right back where you started. So anyway, I'll just let you guys figure out what you want to do. But, but Netflix. Let me give a shout-out to Nacho Libre, though. We, we need to watch that movie. Right, exactly. We'll do a review, <laughs> a take on that one. All right, this one was interesting. We always try to bring Kelly into his days of being a police officer and getting his feedback, his interaction, his wisdom and knowledge. This one, I watched the videos. It was hilarious. A 65-year-old man clings to the hood of a car in wild Massachusetts road rage incident. So a 65-year-old man is speaking out about a shocking incident of road rage that was caught on video. Richard Komrowski clung to the hood of a car as it sped down a Massachusetts highway for about three miles on Friday. Komrowski says he went into survival mode when he found himself clinging to another driver's SUV. Komrowski and another man got into a minor accident on the Mass Turnpike in Weston. The two argued and the other driver identified as 37-year-old Mark Fitzgerald tried to leave the scene. Then when Komrowski apparently jumped on the hood of Fitzgerald's SUV, Fitzgerald drove for a very significant distance distance with Komrowski clinging to the hood. I thought he was going to run over me. Komrowski told WBZ several witnesses captured the video of Komrowski on the hood of the SUV that drove by. And then, so I watched all these videos because now we live in the world of cell phones. Multiple people taking videos of this 65 year old guy just like ah, <laughs> hanging onto it and the guy is slowing down speeding him literally trying to chuck him off and then two other people had to box him in one guy who was a concealed carry individual has to get out of the car draw the gun at the guy just to get him to finally let this poor man off is that not crazy i that 
they'll make a movie about this <laughs> at some point. But you know, that's where two hotheads meet, and uh, nobody's got good common sense. Road rage in America, right <laughs> there, classic exa- example. All that to say, do you have any road rage? Good road rage stories. <laughs> I've I've worked a couple of those uh, uh, cases of road rage. I've had several of the calls, but then you know they're gone before you get there, and, and everybody's kind of broke up. But uh, um, I have got out uh, at some cars where people were just really yelling and hollering at each other and pointing the finger that you cut me off and that that kind of thing. It's amazing. I've never been. I've never had that temptation of road rage. I mean, really. I mean, every once in a while, I guess I've gotten mad, but I've never. You know, <laughs> wanted to physically hurt someone or run them over. I, I, I'm going to have to plead the fifth on that because I, I think maybe I've had a temper once in a while. All right. Well, there's other spirits I need delivered from. That is not one. But apparently a lot of people do in America nowadays. Road rage gone bad. All right. So we are on Super Bowl week here. It's going to be the Rams versus the Patriots. But one thing that we love that you brought up just a moment ago, Kelly, is... Super Bowl commercials. Yes. So that made me think back in the day to uh, the best Super Bowls of all time. All right. As my phone is going to be ringing in the background, could be the Super Bowl partners calling us right now in regards to that. So best (laughs) Super Bowl commercials ever. And I looked through this a little bit. So maybe you did your research, but my favorite, and I'm sure there's more than this of all time, but I love the Volkswagen the force commercial did you see this one i have seen that it's good yeah i like it because i actually have used it in some of my teachings and preachings on the subject matter of the holy spirit i use i love to bust out this commercial but basically the commercial is the little kid who's dressed up in darth vader and he's trying to use the force on the dog and the uh, workout machine and all these kind of things and at the very end of the commercial he's kind of frustrated he walks up to his dad's car and his dad tries to give him a hug he pushes him out of the way and then he stares down that volkswagen and he puts his hand up as to use the force and all of a sudden the car turns on and he like stumbles back he's like whoa it finally worked i finally used the force it's amazing and it's really just his dad in the kitchen window laughing at him because he pushed the automatic start button i love that that's awesome do you have a best favorite super bowl commercial you know i i like the clydesdale uh commercials you know uh the the smaller the smaller clydesdales the colts and as they're growing up you know and they're they're going to get that chance to pull that uh, wagon i i love those this might be super controversial to talk about on the modern christian dads podcast because we are christians we're followers of christ and we're dads but i don't know i always remember the bud bowl commercials growing up do you remember this Budweiser I, 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 versus Bud Light? Yes, yes. I, I always remember that growing up for whatever reason. <laughs> well, we all have a past. Okay. <laughs> worst, and I'm, you know, anyway, worst Super Bowl of all time. Do you have a worst one that you hate? Oh. I have two. Number one, I put down in my notes here, anything that is Go Daddy. Anything that was Go Daddy had all of these, like, sexually weird Awkward Dana Kilpatrick. Yes. Now, I just yeah, stop I, doing those. Yeah, I don't think yeah, don't do I, I don't think they do those anymore, <laughs> thankfully. But everyone was just like, "This is just not appropriate." I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, let's take that another step forward uh, uh, further and get away from the commercials. But then it makes me think of what 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 was your worst halftime show? Worst halftime show of all time. I've never been a big halftime show guy. The one that I think is hilarious was the whole Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson one. Well, they, they milked I that one. I remember sitting smack dab in front of the TV. <laughs> 
in the hospital TV room and I just spaced it. I like, clearly I'm not a very observant person because the next morning I woke up and I was like, I thought I, I thought I watched that halftime show and I, I just missed that. So clearly it didn't uh, affect me the way it did some other people. Yeah, that was all set up, I believe. The other one was just a couple year, a couple, maybe one or two seasons ago. In terms of worst commercials, I do like to drink Mountain Dew. There was the puppy baby monkey. Do you remember this? No. It was a puppy, a baby, and a monkey. And it's a Mountain Dew commercial. All one person and had something to do with Mountain Dew. But it was like puppy baby monkey, puppy baby monkey. I don't remember that. It was very awkward. Search that one. Did the the trunk monkey, uh, was that a Super Bowl commercial? You remember the trunk monkeys? I don't remember if that was Super Bowl or not. So many awkward ones now to remember. I do remember this one. I think it got pulled or didn't get played. Maybe it did get played. It was like two guys working on a engine of a car and they both start eating at opposite ends of a Snickers bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they get no. where their lips almost touch and oh, they're like, I can't unsee do, that. Do something manly. <laughs> and he like rips a massive patch of chest hair. Yes. <laughs> and that oh, one, yeah. I think that one played and then it wasn't allowed to be played anymore. But just uh, we'll see what happens this year. Any awkwardness or funniness, Super Bowl. All right, before we dive into hopefully now giving you some kind of spiritual encouragement, that probably was not a good segue. I'm taking the Rams 27 to 20 over the Patriots. So I think the Patriots are going to score two touchdowns and two field goals. That would be 14. 7 plus 7 is 14 plus two field goals is 20. The Rams are going to score three touchdowns and two field goals, which makes it 27 to 20. 27-20. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with the Patriots, and I'm going to say it's a going. I don't have the score in mind other than that. I think it'll be a three-point lead at, at the end. All right. I think the pass rush is going to be the divining factor. The pass rush of the Rams is going to be a little overwhelming. They're not going to be able to scheme for it like they normally would, and that's going to be the one factor that does them in, but we'll see what happens. Okay, segueing into something spiritual after all of this, we just started a Bible study with a bunch of dudes, some dudes called, are you are, or not a fan, excuse me. And it's talking about, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? And I think that's a good topic when we come to Super Bowl week. Absolutely. And we were uh, starting to dive into this book where it gave us that challenge where Jesus has called us to be followers. And so today I want to just talk about John chapter 6. And I want you to read the whole chapter because you'll get the whole context of what it is. But in John chapter 6, basically, if I could paraphrase the chapter for you, starts off with the feeding of the 5,000. So we have where Jesus, there's a crowd, the multitude are following him and they're hungry and Jesus doesn't want to send them away. So he tells his disciples, well, what do we have to feed them? And they're basically like, well, not even over a a half year's wages, eight months wages would be enough money to feed all these people. And Jesus is like, well, what do you have? And it's like, well, we got five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus blesses that food. And he feeds over 5,000 people that day. And a lot of scholars say it might be more because they didn't include the women and the children, etc. So there's a boatload, just a lot of people that got fed that day. And it was a miracle and everyone was amazed, etc., etc. Well, then after that, Jesus goes to the other side of the lake and then... Uh, the people wake up the next day and want to find Jesus again. And they're like, where is he at? Because they want are hungry and they want to see another miracle. 
and they follow Jesus in pursuit of Jesus. And Jesus is like, what do you want? And they're like, well, we want another miracle. And Jesus begins this dialogue with the people about, well, do you want, do you want the food of my father or do you just want a miracle? And basically they're like, well, we want a miracle. And Jesus is like, well, I'm uh, the only food I'm going to give you now is my flesh and my blood. And this weirds them out. And they're like, what are you talking about your flesh and your blood? And, and he's like, yeah, unless you eat of me and eat of my, my body and drink of my blood, then you can't partake of, of my, the real food that my father wants to give you, which is ultimately going to be eternal life through me. And something radical happens in this particular chapter is that many of them, then it says many of the disciples, you know, we always just view the 12 disciples, but the Bible says that a lot of followers and disciples of Jesus went away after making this statement. You know, <laughs> so much of the time, uh, we, as Christians, we, we don't understand or we misinterpret when, when, uh, Jesus is giving us, uh, examples or, uh, a parable, uh, it, 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 a lot of times will just go over our head and it really, it, bottom line, it, it's, it's simple. It's, it's listening to the Holy Spirit. It's listening to Jesus and just following him and asking for, for the big things. I, you know, we, a lot of times, Pastor, we, we do. We want to see the miracle. But really, if you spend any time in the presence of the Lord, you're not caring about the mm -hmm. miracles. It's about his presence. Yeah. That last verse that I read, it says, After hearing these teachings, many of his disciples walked away and no longer followed Jesus. Wow. So I wrote a few notes down that I thought was interesting from this chapter. Again, I want you to read it so you can get the whole context. But here's a few thoughts that I thought would be good to give you and spoke to me as well. Was The first was this, is that we tend to spend most of our time chasing what we can get from God rather than just chasing God. Yes, and I find that in my own life, in my prayer life. Sometimes it's like we're just chasing him for what he can give us rather than, God, I just want to chase you. And clearly that was evidence among these people. They just wanted miracles. Right. But when it came down to just wanting God, that wasn't yeah. enough. Yeah. Now, I, I, a lot of times when I'm uh, praising and worshiping, I, I find myself sometimes uh, all of a sudden slipping off into asking things for me, you know, or for my family, instead of just saying, God, it's, it's enough to be just here with you. So that's a challenge. And I, I love other, another question I heard in another book that I read was just simply, is Jesus enough? You know, is Jesus enough or is it always wanting more, always wanting miracles? It's not that he can't do them. It's not that he's not capable of them, but Jesus was trying to get dive deeper into their hearts. And he's saying, okay, I've done miracles. I just did an amazing miracle, but now I'm talking about something deeper. Are you willing to step into a relationship, a deep relationship and, and that my father has for you? And to do that, it's going to require you surrendering and giving your life to me. And that just wasn't something that they wanted to do. No, no. I, we're doing another uh, Bible study where I work at, and somehow we got onto the topic of... Uh, uh, having the dust of your rabbi, your teacher, uh, on you, meaning that uh, you're following your your rabbi, you're following your your uh, 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 Jesus, you're following him so close that as he takes a step and kicks up the dust, it comes on you. I, it's because you're following him so close. I want to be that close to my Lord. 
the second thing I wrote down was that faith is believing before seeing, not vice versa. And we always get the two mixed up is that we have to believe before we see, not see, then believe. And this happened in this conversation is that they were saying to Jesus, okay, if you do a miracle, then we'll believe. Just do the miracle first. Then we'll put all of our trust in you. And that is opposite of the kingdom mindset and what faith really is. Faith is believing, then the revelation, then the thing comes after that. And Jesus was trying to hit this home with him. It's like, you guys just want miracles. And you're basically saying, okay, if you give us a miracle, then we'll believe. How many times have we done that in our walk with God? Absolutely. Well, we, we are a culture of what have you done for me lately? That's, that's just the way we live our life. Um, and that's not what Jesus is wanting. He's wanting us to walk by faith. Third thing I noticed in my version of the voice version is it says in verse 41 of chapter six, some of the Jews became, began to grumble quietly against him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Isn't Jesus the son of Joseph? We know his parents. We know where he came from. So how can he claim to come down from heaven? And Jesus said to them, stop grumbling under your breath. I think of that in my own life. I think of that with my kids where I'm grumbling underneath my breath. And Jesus calls them out on that and says, stop grumbling. Why don't you just have faith and believe in me and who I am and what I want to do in your life? Uh, hey man, I, you know, my, my kids called me out on, out on that one time. Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, my kids and I'm embarrassed to say this guy. So I'm uh, here. I am talking to you about this, but uh, um, they looked at me one time and said, dad, why are you so mad? Why are you so angry? And, uh, I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not angry, but I, apparently, uh, I had that grumbling face <laughs> to where they, they were getting that vibe that, uh, dad was angry. So, uh, yeah. dads, we, we, we've got to quit grumbling ourselves. Yeah. And finally, just simply the fourth point I want, I wrote down was that it's a hard teaching. It's a hard mm -hmm. teaching. You know, Jesus is like, yep, you're going to have to eat my flesh. You're going to have to drink my blood. Yeah. And, and, uh, they didn't understand that. <laughs> he didn't try to, you know, Jesus didn't try to sugarcoat it or water it down or whatever. He's like, this is the reality. This is the reality. The, the reason we're in this situation is because of man's sin. And now yes. I am coming to bring liberty and freedom. But by doing that, if you're going to be brought back into right relationship with Christ, you're now going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood to be reconnected with the father. And Jesus is like, that's what you're going to have to do. And a lot of people were like, well, we don't want to do that. That's too hard of a teaching. We can't receive that. And, See, and, and that's crazy because uh, that's why we try to minimize sin. Sin totally separates us from God uh, from the very beginning. Once that sin entered, we were totally separated at that point. Jesus come to die on a cross for us to pay that debt, which the wages of sin is death. So he had to pay that debt. That's the... That's why it's such a, a black and white issue. If you have sin in your life, you, you're going to have to eat his flesh. You're going to have to believe that he died on a cross mm -hmm. for you. You're going to have to drink that blood because that's, he shed that blood for you. That's the covering uh, of your sin. Yep. And uh, it's a radical thing. It, it is a radical thing. <laughs> so the advice I want to give you today, spend more time just chasing God rather than what you can get from him. And that is difficult. That's why, hey, 
The Archbishop of Canterbury, I didn't put this in our news, Archbishop of Canterbury this week in an article said that he's, he's praising tongues. He prays in tongues a lot. So I was like, cool, that's awesome. And that's why I spend more time praying in the tongues in in the spirit, because then I don't have to spend most of my time asking for what I want. That's intentionally and purposely yes. why I try to pray in tongues more than I pray in English. Because I know when I pray in English, it's just going to revert back to what I want and praying my will as opposed to what his will really what is. What his will is, you're right. So just chase God. Try. I know that it takes discipline and effort, but just chase him as opposed to what you can get out of him. Practically in church or your prayer time, whatever, say it verbally. Lord, today I just want to know you more. I want to seek you more. I don't want to just, I don't want all our times together just to be about me getting something out of you and faith to, to establish that life of faith that believes God. You might be going through some diff- something difficult, something hard, but choose to have faith. Choose to believe God. Don't be the guy that says, well, Lord, if you do this, then I'll follow you. Lord, if you do this, then I'll trust you. You know, if, if you do this, then I'll love my wife. If you do that, you know, stop it, man. That's not faith. Grow that up. It's not faith. <laughs> And uh, we need to be men of faith, That's men right. and women of faith that say, Lord, even if I don't see it, even if you don't give me the miracle, if, even if I don't see the bread and fish turned into 5,000, God, I still believe you. I trust in you. I have faith in you, which leads to that third point. Stop grumbling. Stop grumbling and choose to worship, choose to have faith, choose to trust God and choose to embrace the hardship of, of being a follower of Christ. Being a follower of Christ is not easy. It's much easier not to follow Jesus than it is to follow Jesus. That is, it's the wide road and the narrow road. Right. Uh, uh, Pastor Rachel talked about that not too long ago. And uh, I know that wide road looks attractive. Hey, I can do whatever I want. It's just a great life. Uh, But at the end of that road is death. Uh, On that narrow road is life. There's going to be a lot of fandom this week because it's Super Bowl Sunday in regards to teams. There's always a lot of fandom in our country because of our love for sports and those kind of things. But in terms of our spiritual walk and being a follower of Christ, I pray that you, I, all of us together would become radical followers of Jesus Christ. It's been great talking to you. Go Rams or Patriots, whoever you're rooting for, have a great Super Bowl Sunday. We will talk to you next time. See you guys. Modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, 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 dads. Just a couple of dudes talking news, sports, and guns.